Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. I realize it has been a while since I have made a recording. Um, and I'm not sure if I mentioned in my last recording from about a month ago that I was taking a trip. Um, if I didn't mention it, I will mention it now. My sister and I decided to take a trip to Florida to see a ministry where they take you out and show you how to preach the gospel and pray for people who need healing and cast out demons if that should arise. Um, I personally did not do that, but I did pray for people who needed healing. I don't know at this point if they were healed because they were not healed instantaneously in front of me, but some people were. Um, it's all an exercise in faith. And, um, you know, we need to build our faith. So that was what I've been doing since June 4th. Right now is June 25th. So I have not been on here. Um, it seems the Lord is calling me to be a bit of a traveler. I am still not back at home. I'm actually in my hometown um, in Minnesota, visiting some family, and um, from here, I guess I'm not quite sure if I'm going straight back home. Um, I'm just kind of playing it by ear, praying to see what the Lord wants me to do from here. It's kind of just taken a, a bit of a turn. You know, for the last year and a half, I've been asking the Lord, you know, how, how can I live for him? I want to work for him and I want to live for him. And it's a little unnerving. It's a little on the scary side. I'm using my savings now. I'm not quite retirement age, but that's not too awfully far away. Um, and I'm kind of using up my, not using up, not yet, but I'm using my savings to do some traveling and just walk by the Spirit. I just want to, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Um, that's very much a big part of the Christian walk or the walk of a disciple of Christ, is a follower of Christ. And I just want to do that. I'm at a point in my life where I can do that. And so that's what I want to do. So um, when I started in the New Testament now for the podcast, I started with First and Second Thessalonians. Um, I might have mentioned before that my daily three, 365 reading is chronological. And around June 2nd, I started in the New Testament. Um, for the podcast, I was doing some in the Old Testament, and then I went to First uh, and Second Thessalonians. Um, but June 2nd, I started with the Gospels. I'm still reading through the Gospels. Um, I'm in where they all overlap and, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each give their own account of some things. And it's interesting because some accounts will be in 
Matthew and Mark, and some include Luke, where John doesn't have a lot of the same things that the first three do. And it's, it's interesting because they each, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they each saw their walk with Jesus differently. Um, Matthew and Mark, and sometimes Luke, they, they heard Jesus, they all heard Jesus say the same thing, but it's like, you know, when you're all together with friends, you pick up certain memorable or notable things from what your friends say, and you repeat those later, probably differently than another one of your friends are there. So they all heard the same thing, but what stuck with each one of them is what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote, if you know what I mean. So the chronological reading for the Gospels jumps all over the place. Um, and so I'm not going to do any readings from the Gospels right now. Um, so what I was thinking is, I already did First and Second Thessalonians. Um, Acts, the book of Acts kind of goes along with the gospel. So I was thinking I would go chronologically. And the first one, as far as date-wise, before Thessalonians, is James and Galatians. Um, so what I think I will do is I will go to the book of James. And we'll read some in there. It's got five chapters, but we'll read some in there. And then, as you know, um, I kind of give my, my little tidbit of what knowledge I have. Um, but let's read through the book of James. Uh, James, of course, assuming this is the Apostle James. Um, Jesus had a brother named James, but we're assuming this is the apostle. So James 1, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat, and it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, 
for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. I want to interject there. Uh, one thing that I learned at that ministry that I went to is that we all will be tempted. We, as Christians, if we have been born again, we are saved through grace, but now we have to walk out our Christian walk led by the Holy Spirit. And a part of that is going to be temptations that come at us, temptations that try and entice us back into a life of sin to do works of unrighteousness, work iniquity and lawlessness, but here James is saying, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So those who love the Lord endure temptation. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his desires and enticed. Um, I want to interject here. The enemy knows all too well what entices us, what our desires are. That's all they do, is find ways to draw followers of Christ, Christians, away from, from the holy way of walking. Verse 15, then when this desire has conceived, it get, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. You may, I'm going to interject here, you may have heard me talk about firstfruits before in some of my other recordings. Um, Jesus is the firstfruit, and... It says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits. We have to remain in the truth. We have to remain, and, and his word is truth. We have to remain in the truth. We cannot deceive ourselves. And being enticed and tempted is the beginning of the deceiving of ourselves and of the enemy deceiving us. So please stay in the word of truth. Verse 19, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So interjection at this point. Be doers of the word. Don't just hear it. Verse 22, deceiving yourselves. We have to be doers of the word. We obey what Jesus commands. Uh, faith without works is dead. I believe that is in James, and he will get to that. But we are not, we're not just hearing this. We're doing it. Um, he doesn't just say, you know, endure temptation. And we hear that and it's, it's like, oh yeah, we need to endure temptation. No, we, we need to endure temptation. It's something we have to do. Verse 26, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to go to the um, concordance for, that's James one twenty seven. Let me do that. Okay, because I want to talk about, it says pure religion in the King James concordance, religion is... Ceremonial observance and worshiping. Um, pure worship, in other words, and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And to keep himself unspotted. Concordance from that is unblemished physically or morally without spot. Where we where do we hear that? That's in the Revelations. He comes for a pure and spotless bride. So this is what he's talking about. All right. So let's do James 2 also. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Okay, partiality is with respect of persons, favoritism. That's from the concordance. So do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with respecters of, per of persons. Um, and then he goes on to explain in verse 2. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I want to interject something on that. Um, that reminds me this morning... When I woke up, no, it was yesterday, the Lord said 
I woke up with this phrase going through my head, judging our assessments. Um, and looking it up, of course, judging is to form an opinion or a conclusion about. Assessment is the evaluation of the nature, quality, or ability of someone. So what God was saying is he is judging our judging. And James 2, 4 says, Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? God is very much paying attention to how we assess others. All things must be done in love. And if we are being critical, that is an evil assessment. We can assess so that we are trying to discern whether something is good or wicked, and that's something we should avoid the wicked, um, the wicked things going on, I mean. We can't avoid wicked people. Actually, we need to preach the good news to everyone that he sends us to. Um, but we don't judge others by what they wear, how they look, if they appear to be poor or rich, giving them the best place to sit. Um, if you walk into an assembly and there's several places, like good places to sit, I know all of us are the same. It's like, oh, let's hurry up and get those chairs, you know. But actually, do we put others before ourselves? You know, that's just something to examine ourselves. Verse 5, listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts. Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Uh, interjection. I, I like that in verse 8 where it says, if you really fulfill the royal law and royal in this in the concordance is regal sovereign like a king's nobleman you know the lord considers the law royal when the poor uh, are honored and the rich are put in their place Jesus said to the rich man, go and sell all you have to be saved and follow me. It didn't, he didn't mean if you sell everything you have, you will be saved. What he was getting at was your riches are taking your eyes off of eternity because you're trusting in your riches. All right, verse 10. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not 
commit adultery also said do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. And Jesus spoke about that uh, early on in the Gospels, where he was saying, um, it is said that if you commit murder, you've broken the commandment. But he said, if you lust after anyone in your heart, you are also guilty of adultery. And that's early in the Gospels. Okay, so James is just repeating that. Verse 12, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, kind of like saying, good luck. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And that's the end of James 2. I'll just do James 1 and James 2 um, at this time. This is an interesting chapter. Faith without works is dead. We know that we can't be saved by our works. We can't do good enough to get into heaven. And that is the beginning of the gospel to unbelievers. Unbelievers still think that they can, you know, just try to be good enough and it will hopefully be enough to get them into heaven. As believers, we know this is not true. This is the law. This is Old Testament. Um, and you can't possibly keep all of the Ten Commandments and I mean, you can't possibly do it. I mean, you don't want to lie and you don't mean to do these things. You don't mean to transgress against God, but it happens because we are slaves to sin. As long as we are not 
walking with the Holy Spirit and not baptized to new life and have not repented of the evil we do so that the Holy Spirit can bring us into that new life with Christ, we will remain slaves to sin. But it is possible to work that out so that we no longer are slaves to sin. And that's something we'll get into when we get to the book of Romans. Right now, though, James is talking to Christians, and he is saying, okay, you are now saved, but you have to, you have, to have your works along with your faith. We don't do works to get saved. We do works because we are saved. So in verse 24, it says, You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. God expects us to do good things with what he's given us. He's given us eternal life. He's given us uh, forgiveness for sins. He's given us the Holy Spirit. So do we just take it and say thank you and then go our merry way and not do anything about it? No. They're given to us to enable us to be able to walk out our faith as disciples of Christ. And, you know, not just nominal Christians that, you know, all you have to do is go to church on Sunday. I don't think so. But then really, it's not that easy to go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and, you know, walk like the disciples did. That you, We can't just do that, can we? Well, if you have the Holy Spirit, he will lead you into that life and you start little by little. He enables us. He will guide us. He will tell us who to speak to. We're not sent to everybody. It says in the Bible, go to whom I send you. It's, it's not every single person that's even going to want to hear the message. Matter of fact, most people don't want to hear it. That's pretty evident. I think we've all encountered that in our families and friends. They know you're saved and they're like oh don't talk to me about that that's all you ever want to talk about it's like you're judging me and all that kind of stuff but we are called to tell people about the gospel that is what becoming a follower of christ is all about now that we have received eternal life and forgiveness for sins and all of, all of the things, the power and authority from Jesus that we need to go out in the world and make a difference, no, we're not expected to do it alone. We have the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you need to get the Holy Spirit. And you can pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, you will know when you have the Holy Spirit helping you because things will start becoming quite supernatural. 
Some people speak in tongues, some people prophesy like it says in the Bible, but you will feel it on the inside. And if you aren't feeling it, ask the Lord to show you if you have the Holy Spirit. And if you don't, you can pray, Lord Jesus, please, Father, please give me the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to walk for you. I want to be your disciple. I don't want to be just a normal, nominal Christian who's only interested in you on Sundays or Wednesdays. I want to walk for you. I want to make a difference in this world. We know you're coming soon, Lord Jesus. We know that we are nearing the end of the last days. It's not going to be long before you come back, Lord. Please send me the baptism of the Holy Spirit and show me that I have received it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And the Father is faithful. The verses that say if you ask your Father for a piece of bread, will he give you a stone? You know, those verses there. It's very true. When Sometimes when we ask the Lord for something, we have to keep asking. You know, it, in Matthew it says, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Sometimes you have to ask, seek, and knock, and ask, and seek, and knock some more. But don't give up. He has a purpose for you. He has assignments for you. And he's just waiting for you to come and get them. So, brothers and sisters, it is at minute 30, and I'm going to go ahead and publish this. And thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.